Hey everyone, this is Kate and this is In Between Naps, uh, the podcast where I come to you in between my baby's naps. Uh, This episode is super, super special to me uh, because it's with Debbie, who is my lactation specialist, who I met at the hospital and she ended up being way more in my journey than just a lactation person you meet at the hospital. I ended up getting the latch pretty well at the hospital and she came and checked in on us again and we ended up just chatting since I was having a pretty decent latch with Jude and the the nose to nipple really made sense to me so I ended up just chatting with her and we totally hit it off and she suggested I go to the lactation support group because she thought I just had a good outlook on the breastfeeding and the latch and everything. So I ended up going and that was probably one of the best suggestions I ever got. I went to the group and the first few times I was like, she wasn't there, but it was very much like, oh, well, this is cool. Like Jude just eats and then falls asleep and it's pretty great. And I get to see other moms and it was about eight, maybe eight weeks after I gave birth. So it was the only time I was really going out because I wasn't comfortable going out with Jude alone yet. So it was a good experience for me just to kind of go out and the hospital was around the corner from our house. So I would go to the support group and, you know, I would see the other moms struggling with latch and tongue ties and, and things of that nature. And I, in the beginning, thought it was super easy. And then as we progress Jude started to get real fussy and not just with breastfeeding just in life I went to I went to the lactation group one day and you go to the hospital and you have to wait on the waiting room before you go up to the maternity section and I went and I was waiting and Jude started to lose it and Jude was crying on the bottom in the in the waiting room. And there was a woman there. And she literally turned to me and was like giving me dirty looks because my child was losing it, which is super rude to do. But that's what was happening. And then she asked me if I needed help with him. And I said no, because I was about to kill that woman. And so I finally got to go up to the maternity ward and... When I got there, luckily, there was no other women there for the support group that week. And it was just me and Debbie. And me and Debbie spent the next hour passing Jude back and forth because Jude didn't want to eat at that point. And he was just screaming. And he was just unconsolable. You couldn't even try to make him stop. And I would hold him and, you know rock him and then she would hold him and rock him and we went back and forth and Debbie shut down the lights in the room and we just tried to figure out what the hell was going on and so there it kind of was the beginning of my dairy-free soy-free journey and I know that sounds super Los Angeles like bougie oh I had to go hippie on on this but that's not what it was so Jude was actually in legitimate pain and there was 
so then we had to go down the whole road of getting our doctor and to test this poop and we ended up getting a GI specialist too and it all started thank god to Debbie because she suggested hey maybe you should try going dairy free and I told her that I found mucus in his poop and you know that's kind of like a, a sign of of that apparently so we went to our doctor and she kind of brushed it off as I was just a, a new mom and I already complained that he was super fussy but it was like real real fussy and I know that doctors probably hear all the time that their baby is fussy but Jude was an extreme case and it was just hours. I remember one time he, he cried straight for six hours. And me and Nima would just hand him back and forth. And we would bounce on one of those yoga balls. Because that was one of the only things he would fall asleep while we did. Um, probably helped his little tummy. But anyway, thank God to Je Debbie. Because literally she at least sent me on the right path. And then she helped. She even spoke to my doctor for me. Which was you know, above and beyond, which I'm so, I really can't, um, I can't even begin to say how thankful I am for Debbie because she literally changed the whole direction of, of my motherhood and everything. So I just can't even picture motherhood without her. So I really am thankful and, you know, after all of the the making the doctor do the tests and do all of that we went to a gastro specialist and she did the test and found blood in his stool and then suggested maybe I go soy free as well and you know that actually worked so it's not the easiest journey um and I still continue to breastfeed him. So obviously we've been trying to add things back in. We successfully have now added eggs back in, which was part of the, we avoided that too. Um, but now it's just part of our life. So it is what it is. But anyway, this conversation is with Debbie and she totally has this amazing outlook on breastfeeding and as she says, she's pro feeding babies. So it's non-shameful. It's non, you know, if you hop onto the formula train, go for it. Um, if you want to, you know, as long as your baby's getting fed, it's supportive. And I think it's just a wonderful way to look at breastfeeding because yes, it is a choice and it's a hard choice. It's not the easiest route, but we all have to feed our baby, so any way we can do that, it's probably a good thing. Um, I also wanted to add that I got some questions about, you know, my journey and, and whatnot. So before we had Jude, I took a breastfeeding class with, with Nima, and the breastfeeding class, you know, taught the basics of, you know, how to hold your breast and the colostrum and all of all of that but for me I personally think that 
though I'm so happy I took that class because I kind of think it set me up for realistic expectations. I think a lot of people think that um, they're going to have a ton of milk by the time the baby is born and that's just not what it is because the baby doesn't need it because they have such a small stomach. They have like a little pea-sized stomach. Why would you have gallons of milk before that? So I think for me, it it helped a lot of that pressure because you get a lot of that after you give birth anyway. I think everybody, because you don't physically see the ounces going into the baby, everybody is always like, oh, you're not making enough milk or you're not he's not eating enough and da 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 where newborn babies literally just eat damn near constantly and they're getting enough and that's just your way of their way of telling your body to make more milk it's a s- simple supply and demand type of thing um of course there's there's other women that legitimately can't or don't produce but the way that it worked for me, it, it was that way, um, thankfully. But I think once you actually get into it, it's a whole other ball game. I mean, it's one of those things that like you can watch videos on how to ski and learn all of that, but you're not actually going to be able to, to go down a mountain until you put them on. So... For me, I'm really glad that I took the classes just to know the basics. But of course, I learned so much more once we came to the actual breastfeeding. Um, Because it's something that if it's your first child, you've never done before. So it's a it's a quite of a learning curve. And I think, of course, it's like a, a really vulnerable thing because our whole life we're not putting our boobs out and once you have the baby it's like I remember talking to my other mom friends that were breastfeeding and we're just like I'm basically topless all the time because you're just constantly with your boobs out and it's just not something that you're used to but now breastfeeding at 10 months is a different journey than when he was one month old so my boobs are definitely put away more often. Um, so yeah, there's that. But it's really a it's a a a journey that you have to figure out um, by doing it. And again, it's like you're not used to having somebody suck on your nipples for you know almost eight hours a day. It's a lot for a nipple that's already sensitive to be having that. So it's It's a little bit of a learning curve, but it totally, totally happened. And I also think a lot of women, um, with the, after you get all of your, you know, your milk is stabilized and you have a, a, you know, a good amount coming in, um, pumping is also a very stressful situation because for me, we would pump, which is for us ended up very pointless because Jude doesn't really like a bottle and now I have a whole freezer full of milk that's dairy-free, soy-free, and a whole bunch of useless. Um, But with that, it was really stressful because 
you would pump and when you're breastfeeding you don't actually see like I said the ounces going out but you want to make sure that like your ounces are high and so you're like really disappointed if you pump two ounces and I would I would only pump at night so I would pump after I already fed him all day and then be really disappointed if I got two or three ounces so I kept doing it and so I think that's where I really learned that it was like a supply and demand because I kept at it and I would kept pumping at night and I went from three ounces to seven ounces and so by the end I was pumping up to seven or eight ounces at the end of the day so after I already fed him all the time and it was really hard for me not to like measure my my success of breastfeeding that day of the outpour of milk that is now kind of useless um so that was a another big learning curve for me and now I don't pump unless unless he skips a whole bunch of feeds then I'll pump just to get it off and then I also um another breastfeeding thing I ended up getting a clogged milk duct which I would not wish on my worst enemy because that shit hurts real bad so I ended up um I ended up having to hire another lactation consultant because I didn't want to bother Debbie and so I ended up hiring another lactation specialist and she came to the house and she ended up basically milking me and getting it out so that was really um, helpful because I wanted to saw my own breast off because I it was so literally for me because I got an epidural the clogged milk duct was more painful than birth so it was it was bad Um, and I spent you know days before that pumping and trying to get it out and massaging it and still feeding Jude and everything and it just didn't work so that is something that when the baby starts to sleep through the night I found out is quite common and so you kind of have to like you know supply and demand like learn to have your body taper down more gradually than just oh my god yay he slept 10 hours and now my boobs are ginormous so that was something a very big learning curve and a and a breastfeeding tip that I would give to anybody because you want to avoid that like the plague and that really was like the only other than the sewer nipples in the beginning the only issue that I really um, faced with it so I do know that I had a, a lucky breastfeeding streak but that's I just loved it so much and I still love it so yeah um I hope you enjoyed the the call and you know it's 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 real Ah, you're prompt hey yes I am hi hi Hi. that's what happens when you have a baby on a nap schedule and I put him down and I was like I'm gonna no god no he went down at 3 30 but then it was enough time to have a sandwich and coffee and then call you 
And then what time does he wake up? Uh, we wake him up at like 4.45 and then he goes to bed at 8. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I wish it was a little bit earlier, but it is what it is. That's fine. Whatever you can do. Yeah, I mean, it works. <sighs> yeah, so how are you? I'm good. I'm laying out good? in the sun. Yeah, I'm good. I'm tired AF, but I'm good. And I'm sitting out side on a lounge well i mean oh. like not, i don't have a pool or anything but like i'm just sitting here on a, on a lounge with a fake pool oh nice we got a mini blow-up pool and i'm not gonna lie i totally love it you did maybe i need to yeah, get we one got, of those there there's these really cute ones at target and they're big enough for two adults it's and they're so actually WT, cute but i gotta do it uh, they are I, <laughs> I was like yeah i i need that so we got one Nice. It's fun. Yeah. So thank you for talking okay. to me about yeah, for this. Because sure. I was like, I'm doing this podcast and I don't really think I can talk about motherhood without you. Are we you, recording right now? I've been recording from the beginning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope that I can help you and your and people. No. You're good. I mean, please. I just love the way that you look at breastfeeding. So I was like, I can't not try to talk good. to you. I'm talking to Mandy next week. I'm like going nice. down my list of like amazing women. So oh, you're, I think you're, you're one of amazing. them. Oh, thank you, thank lady. You. So I wanted to start at the beginning. So okay. when a mom first gives birth and she wants to breastfeed, what have you found is like the biggest struggle jumping in? I think the biggest struggle is, especially for moms who um, obviously have had cesarean sections. So those moms really have a lag time in getting their breastfeeding together. But I really think the biggest issue would be moms that are just afraid to handle their babies. They are really afraid that their babies are going to break like their head's gonna fall off or something so <laughs> we like to totally. remind moms their babies have spines and and you know skulls that are attached right you can't hurt them too bad can't hurt a baby and they need to remember that a baby's been inside of them in an accordion position being bounced around for nine months so um that babies need to be handled by their moms because they don't have proper muscle support so they need their moms to be able to help them um totally yeah, because I was really awkward. Jude was my first baby I ever held, period. Absolutely. The moms that have been around, you know, babies or have taken care of, care of nieces and nephews really sort of just grab them and do what they need to do. Um, <laughs> right. So other, otherwise, we're in there doing what we need to do just to get their babies on for them. So I think that would be the biggest struggle. Don't be afraid. Yeah, don't be afraid. Do you don't find be afraid. A lot of girls have a problem with the latch or is that something that like, I mean, I feel like our bodies are totally made for this. I, yes, I do. I think that moms have different types of breasts and nipples. And I think that, yes, there are some really big challenges that some moms have to, you know, have to go through to get their babies on. And we also have other babies that have, you know, problems. I mean, yesterday I had 20 patients, three of them went home totally breastfeeding without my support. So I do think that, you know, it is, it can be a struggle for, 
you know, different types of anatomical breast issues. <laughs> right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Because you don't know what you don't you're know dealing what the, with. You don't know what you're dealing with with the mom. And sometimes the babies aren't ready to go there yet or also have some oral, you know, motor issues. So, you know, it doesn't always come together. We find more that it doesn't versus than it does. But at some point it will come together, just sometimes not in the hospital. And that's okay. Totally. And is that like a, I feel like for, for me, I liked the latch and the latch came naturally, Mm -hmm. but I still had pain. Does everybody go through that or is that still like a sign of poor latch? Yeah. So pain is definitely associated with poor latch, but also it's associated with breastfeeding in general. So moms are going to feel some initial um, attachment pain. So when the baby attaches for the first week or so, you're going to, you know, want to jump out the window. And then after about 30 seconds, it, it should start to feel better for most women. Sometimes it doesn't. And that's why you would need a lactation consult to check, check it out, check the baby's mouth out, um, check the positioning of the baby um, and making sure and teaching moms how to do the latch correctly. I mean, I don't think you were doing the latch totally correctly. You took you some time. Plus you had a fussy baby. <laughs> right. Totally, totally, totally. It took you some time. Totally. And I feel like um, once I got home, once you get home, it's like a whole other ball game. Absolutely, I feel like when you, you, you get help. home, you're like, the fuck is this? What? Yes. What is happening? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And that's why I became a lactation consultant because my nipples were cut in half and bleeding to my toes. So, you know, um, it, it, it can be very painful, but it really shouldn't be. So that's why we need to figure it out. Right. Totally. Totally. Because I, after, yeah, about a week or two, it was better. But I was lucky because I remember you speaking of like people with like you, bloody nipples and shit. Like, I never got bloody. And... Right, but you had pain, and I can't take away. I, I Even though I, I look at a healthy nipple, mom might have a degree of pain, and I will not ever take that away from her. Also, some women do have some nipple sensitivity prior to having their babies. So those women tend to have some really um, big struggles with pain and um, referred pain as well. So they, you know, they can't really tell you, is this, this is painful or this is just my nipple? You know, right, from right. how it always has been. And I think, like, you can't, you don't have a person sucking off of you 24 hours a day on, like, no non-baby life. Exactly. <laughs> it's a big jump from going, they're your nipples, to not your it nipples anymore. Sure is. It sure is. So do you find that there's, like, a huge difference of expectation of when the milk is actually going to come in because I feel like a lot of moms get really frustrated that they think it like comes in exactly when you give birth. So I like to change, I like to educate people. I'm trying to change the verbiage on milk coming in and we we really need to change that because um, babies are born totally full of fluids. They are not born um, starving. Their stomachs are extremely small and they're born full because the placenta sort of overloads it with food. Right. So um, mom's milk is in and it's called colostrum. So the milk is there and it's in a small amount 
Um, and that's all that the baby needs. And as the days go on and the milk and the stomach gets bigger, the baby's stomach gets bigger, then the moms make more milk. Hence, that's what moms say, my milk is in. I like to say it that the milk volume is changing. Um, right. To how big the baby's stomach is. And that could change from, you know, 24 to 72 hours, sometimes 96 hours after the delivery. And so everyone, every mom's body is different. It also depends on how much fluid the mom was given during her labor. Did she have a, was she induced? Was she given tons of bags of, of fluid that can inhibit the second stage of milk from coming in? So there's different variables. Um, and babies do just fine on, you know, the first stage of milk and then and they work moms very hard the second day with a lot of breastfeeding to have the mom make more milk for day three and four and five. Right, because it's a direct supply and demand. Correct. And babies are born programmed to um, increase mom's milk supply. And so that's why they want to breastfeed so much in the first couple days because that's what their job is. The job is to tell the mom to make more milk. That's totally true. I remember our first night home, I was like crying because he wanted to feed every 20 minutes. Yep. But it's then, hard. Yeah, no, it's it's brutal. But after mm-hmm. that, the it's smooth sailing for most people, right? For most right, moms. right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Not totally, because I mean, you're up all night feeding a flipping of baby. Of course, but you know what I'm saying. But you, right. you you normally have something to feed them. Yes. So when on that so when is a time that like people would want to like jump in and supplement formula and wouldn't that hinder Mm -hmm. like you producing right so uh, you know we're very careful with that um and i am pro feeding babies so i'm a big um i i do give i know that's why i love i love you because you're not judgmental on that and i don't think people should be Right. There's I think time we have to like I think jump in. Are, I think formulas are very important. Um, and so, you know, I do watch babies very closely. I watch how they're feeding. I watch their weights. Um, and we decide at that point whether we need to add in a formula supplement or not. Sometimes it's just for 12 hours until we see a milk volume increase. Sometimes, you know, it could be a couple of weeks. Sometimes moms have milk volume delays. Um, for up to 10 to 12 days. And then also, um, you know, we have some moms with some anatomical reasons why they would have low milk supplies. We would need to initiate, we would need to initiate a formula supplement. On the other hand, you know, I do have moms who, um, I have a mom right now at the hospital who can't manage it. Her baby is cluster feeding and she just can't handle it and she's not enjoying the time with her baby. And so I offered her a formula supplement so she could have a break and, and enjoy her time and to give somebody that um, is a gift. I don't do that all of the time, but I do know when a mom might need to have that break and to have to, you know to feed her baby some formula. She wants to ask you for it, but is afraid to. And so I make right. It I think there's a lot of guilt. Ask me. Absolutely, and there shouldn't be. Um, conversely, we do have some cultures who believe that. Feeding a baby um, a lot makes a happy baby. So, but what they're doing at that at that point is they're just overstuffing their baby with food, um, and then right. it causes it causes issues uh, with milk volumes for moms. So we try and balance it. And we try and educate as much as possible. 
totally totally because i think like yeah if your baby for me like i almost jumped into the formula supplementing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but for me like i just waited a few extra days and was like okay my body's gonna figure it out and i kind Mm -hmm. of trusted that and i was lucky that it did but i totally understand that like cluster feeding is fucking terrible yeah the second 24 hours is a bitch Oh, yeah. And I feel like when you have a new baby, like you feel like you're doing something wrong or your body's not stepping up. Right. Absolutely. And we have ways of we have ways of looking into that. So um, if, you know, I if I'm trying to hand express some colostrum out of a moment, I can't get anything out of a baby who's screaming. I have a baby who's losing weight. Then we know that that something's up and that we would need to maybe add in a supplement of some sort. Right, 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 right. Interesting. So Mm -hmm. in in your your breastfeeding world since you deal with a lot of boobs mm-hmm. what are <laughs> like <laughs> thousands of them um you're like a man's dream job exactly <laughs> uh, my husband uh, wants to be my assistant in growth every day oh nursing God, boobs funny. aren't the best boobs give me a break it's so true it's so true um <laughs> But what are like the biggest myths that you feel you come through and you have to kind of like gently push proper? With breastfeeding, obviously, is that what you're asking? Okay. Um, You know, what really pisses me off the most is other family members telling moms what they need to do in order to breastfeed properly. All these myths. Don't Mm. eat this. Don't drink this. You have to use a nipple shield. You don't have to use a nipple shield. You have to use this cream. You have, I mean, it's like, I just, I I really want to roll my eyes in the patient room, but I don't. Right. Um, The the eating thing is the biggest myth. So, and I do find it interesting. There's different countries and we do see a lot of patients from other countries. Well, not right now, but in general, we do have patients that come in from Russia and China, um, pre-COVID to deliver their babies at our hospital. And so I do love to hear the different cultural food differences. Like in Russia, they don't want the moms eating any red foods and they'll bring a list of all these foods that they can't eat. Or, you know, um, people from Mexico love to drink this soup and which I do find, I do love. And so I'll tell the patients, go for it. Like, I'm not going to make them feel bad. Um, you know, don't yeah, it's not going to harm broccoli. you. Don't, right. So those are all myths. And um, those foods will not, you know, broccoli, beans, things like that, are not going to cause your baby to have gas. Babies are naturally right. gassy for a good 12 months. It has nothing yeah, to do with what you're eating. Yeah, that was Yeah. <laughs> so um, there are some instances where we're going to see some allergies, but they don't really come out that early. Um, so when babies are having gas, moms automatically will stop eating all these foods. And so we don't want them to, that we want them to continue eating what they're eating. Um, in addition, the, I see a lot of people bringing beer to the hospital. I mean, non-alcoholic beer to try and rush their milk in it. I said, you know, we can't rush milk and it comes when it's supposed to. So <laughs> drink a beer if you want, but it's not going to really help you. I totally have seen that on so many mom forums. It's like a there thing is, that goes around. There are recipes, though. There are recipes to increase milk supply. I mean, there there are some yeast um, diets 
so I'm not going to like bag the whole thing all together. But it is right. an incredible amount of yeast, pills, and oatmeal and all of these things. Um, but really, what really helps milk um, is is taking it out. Right. Removal, replenish. Yep. Yeah, because I found when I was going through all of the initial part, I had like a lot of people and I hear a lot of other moms talk about how the family's always like, oh, they're not getting enough milk. Oh, you didn't feed them enough because they cluster and mm-hmm. eat Family's our biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Family is totally. our biggest problem. Oh, my God. It's and hard. And now I feel like that's like when I hear that, I'm like, oh, like it kind of sucks because the family doesn't know. Thus, they're not being totally supportive on the like breastfeeding journey of that mom because it's really hard to combat with your family like being like no I'm making enough in family's defense they are very worried and food brings people together and food is the number one and listen my husband did it too baby was crying he's hungry I'm like he isn't hungry he just ate figure something else out like I'm not eating this kid again so people think that food is the number one problem solver so um as long as a baby's peeing and pooping enough um then there we need to find an alternate method of soothing the baby feeding the baby all the time if a baby is gaining weight and satisfied is there's if there's no reason for it so um especially grandmas oh my gosh yeah Man, totally they do totally. not let up well they i really even don't. felt like that because like everybody he was like oh he's not getting enough that's why he's upset and it's like okay well my body's creating milk so I don't know what to tell you like it's very hard to have to be able to take care of a baby feed a baby and then someone make you feel like you're inadequate and it is it's enough it's just too much for these poor moms so totally that's the part those moms might not have breastfed and so you'll see a lot of moms whose kids were born in the 70s who didn't breastfeed those moms, especially right. in California, it was a huge um, thing. If you breastfed, it just wasn't cool. Formula feeding was the in thing. Um, you know, I was breastfed. My mom breastfed all three of us. So she was extremely supportive um, and understanding. Um, but I could see where where family would want to see the food going in and, and buy a bottle versus at the breast because they can't see it. But that, right. that's I think that's, that's a, a huge jump for people because Absolutely. it's like people don't like with formula you're like okay he just ate eight ounces exactly (laughs) exactly with your boob you can't tell how many ounces so that is very true so i'm still breastfeeding and jude is 10 months now which is insane great Um, and like I, i called you a while ago and he was biting but now we're not biting anymore hooray Good. But he is starting to wean. And I have a lot of other moms that like are around my time and they're he's mm-hmm. ditching feeds. At ten months is mm-hmm. that about normal? Yeah, they start to ditch feeds and they is he taking um water or anything from a sippy cup? Yes. The other thing that you have to realize is that babies take a cumulative amount during the day. So even while you think they're not taking enough, they really are taking their daily requirements from the breast when they're breastfeeding. And so they do start to wean down very close to about a year when they, between 10 months to a year when they start just 
kind of breastfeeding in the morning and then sometimes in the evening or maybe three or four times a day. Um, sometimes they get down to two a day around a year and that's normal. It, is he eating solids? Yeah, he's eating and he yeah. loves food. Like I can't even tell you how much he ate today. It's obnoxious. <laughs> Um, I'm Gary. literally like going through my fridge and I'm like, it's, can he eat the shore? Let's try this. Do you want this? Like, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. He's eating everything. Food. Yeah. It's not his is- issue, even though we're still dairy free, soy free. Right. So they, he will totally, um, start to wean himself down. This is very normal. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Cause he's a little cow and I love it. So yeah, that's good. They're gonna start getting. He's gonna start getting all of his calories from the from the gardener's next door. I gotta move. Um, this is so real, so raw. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go to the other part. Now there's gonna be a fountain. It's gonna sound like I'm peeing. Great. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for the pre warning. We won't hear so, a flush. <laughs> no. So um, he'll start getting more of his calories from the food that he's eating versus from you. So that's, that's going to be fine. Got it. Cool. Cool. Cause I see like some moms that like are still breastfeeding and they're like three and I'm like, I don't, I don't think I could even force shoot into that. You never like know. When, yeah. Who knows? But I, I have <laughs> this feeling. No. He's going to do so. Yeah, I know. Don't tell me. It makes me no, so sad. Awful. I'm like, come here. I love you. I know. I know. Because right now is such a fun age. He doesn't so hard now. And I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Like 10 it's months a nice is time. like kick ass age. He crawls. Yep, he's great. fun. He giggles. It. Yeah. yeah, it's good. So I did put out um, some on Instagram that I was talking to you. And so people mm-hmm. asked me. A question and the rest were to me but this one's directly to you so i, I wanted to answer it i'm sure you can because i think i've heard you <laughs> answer this question before <laughs> what does it mean if a baby su- after a few minutes sucks really hard and keeps pulling away repeatedly so oh, when that's they like a pop very their good head question mm-hmm. yeah that could mean a couple of things I, most of the time i would probably imagine that the mom might have a forceful letdown reflex. So when Mm -hmm. she's laying down milk, it's just really squirting. And so down very quickly and, you know, velocity. So the baby just sometimes regulates that by pulling off. Right. Um, So that would be one reason. And then does, I wonder if the the baby continues after that, then that would probably be the reason um, would be the milk ejection reflex. The, another reason would be that there isn't enough milk, and so babies kind of get on and come off and kind of pat the breast with their hands and to try and make more milk to come down. And so that would be another reason. But generally, it's because there's a lot of lot of milk in there. Yeah, so it could be opposite reasons. Yeah, because I had a forceful letdown, and Jude would do that as well. Yeah, they and then can once cough, I... and they right. Yeah, totally. Well, that's good. And generally, I'll have moms take off some milk before they breastfeed. So just kind of hand express that initial reflex, and then it will calm it down for the baby to get on and finish the feed. Totally. And so is the foremilk and hind milk, that's real? Yeah, I believe that there there is a foremilk, hind milk um, balance. However, um, babies do get enough calories from that uh, that four milk so if, if you're going to be 
pumping milk, um, you would see that the hind milk would rise to the top like a cream. So there, there is more milk in hind milk. And it does take babies, you know, a good 15 to 30 minutes to finish one whole breast. Some babies don't do that. So they sort of get on the first breast and they're inundated with a lot of fore milk if a mom is very full. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so those are the babies that kind of get irritated tummies or can have green poops, kind of get, you know, up, upset tummies. And so we do like them to kind of hang out on the first breast for a very long time so they can get to that, that back fatty milk. Interesting. But you Interesting. do see a mixture in both. It's not, it, 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 it is a thing and it isn't a thing. You're going to, babies aren't going to not gain weight if they're just drinking, you know, for, you know, a short amount of time at the breast. They're all going to, they're going to gain the weight. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then, so here's another big thing. When babies start sleeping through the night, I personally mm-hmm. got a milk duct clog or whatever. Mm-hmm. How does one avoid that? Do you have to like slowly decrease like by pumping and then like pumping less? Yeah, so I do have moms, it's different for each mom, but I, I will have them follow their baby's lead. So if they're sleeping through the night, moms can sleep through the night, though it's very uncomfortable. So I do, if it moms really want to wake up and kind of, yeah, give themselves a little bit of relief, not pump everything out, but just pump enough for relief, I will have them do that until their body adjusts through that period. Right, getting right. Getting hot milk ducts during that time is very, very common. And that shit hurts. It Did you ever get one hurt. of those? I had everything, girl. I fucking <laughs> everything. I, you know, I. That's why you're so brilliant. And I needed me. The problem is, is that I did not have any help, and so um, I suffered, and I had everything, and I learned everything on my own. That's why I'm here to help people like you. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> no, totally, totally. I'm like, I, dude. I want to become a lactation specialist now. I'm like, dude, I want to because I totally see like the magic in boobs. And I was lucky sister, to have sisterhood. Absolutely. I totally I'm like, I, I'm so lucky that my journey was the way it was because I had you and my mom supported me and Nima learned to just let me be and do my own thing. And yep. without Very that, important. it's really hard. Because I see other moms that like fall off of it where I feel like they probably wanted to go further, but it's really hard to either keep up or get Absolutely. the support. Or... It's a hard, it's it's not easy. It's we not an easy journey. We need to support feeding preferences. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Yep. Totally, totally. So with that, what is your favorite part of the job? What's my favorite part of the job? Yes. You know, I got to tell you, I... And I am so excited every day that I go to work because I get to see a baby. And I there's know. nothing yeah. more precious than seeing a baby. And a I, brand new um, one. Huh? And a brand new one. The new, new and ones a brand are new so one, cute. A juicy new baby. I love to educate people. And so I enjoy getting up and I enjoy going to the work. And I love seeing these moms. And I love helping them do what they are set out to do or to help them with a plan that works for them. And I want to be a mom's voice if she's not going to use her own. And sometimes it does take a little bit of coaxing, but I I do love, I, I, I love it. I love everything about it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you're so good at it. Like there, there should it's, be it's a, a million of job. you. 
It's a wonderful job. I wish you know, everybody I had a Debbie. My lactation. I was ex- I was totally screwed by my lactation consultant, even the second time around with my daughter. I couldn't, I mean, I was a lactation consultant by that point, but I couldn't even lift her because I had a C-section and I didn't take any um, medica- any narcotics. And I just wanted someone to come and lift her for me and not one person, you know, I didn't see a lactation consultant the whole time I was there. So that was a little awkward. Um, and I think that that's wrong. I think that women need to see lactation consultant as much as possible when they're in the hospital. But uh, at the same time, I do like to be a little hands off. I do like moms to be able, once I educate them, to be able to attach their own babies when they leave the hospital. And that's very important. For for sure, for sure. Because I mm-hmm. felt much more comfortable after I met with you. And but we met with one other before, and I was still sitting there like questioning everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think once yeah. it like finally clicked and everything, it was, I felt a lot more confident in it. But you do, oh, you so need glad. somebody. Mm-hmm. You it's, do. I feel like it's this like weird balance of like your body's totally made for it, but it's never done it before. And so you and need to be like trained a, a little bit. You're dealing with a baby that's applying three to five thousand pounds of pressure on that little nipple of yours. So you got to get that sucker on right, or else you're screwed. <laughs> totally, right? totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's it. Was worse than when he bit me with teeth. Oh. Now, beginning sucking sucks way harder than than teeth biting. Even though yeah. that was not fun either. Nope. No, but it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing. Like, everybody keeps asking me because, like I said, I still don't eat dairy or soy in either dish, dude. And everybody keeps asking me, like, oh, when are you going to stop so you can, like, start eating normal again? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, whenever he kicks me off, I don't know. It's it's more I want to do it more than him. I would at least try to breastfeed him through the cold and flu season so we can get him through this time. That's true. That's true. I feel like... Yeah, he's he's pretty good. We're still doing like four or five times a day, but Great. before we were doing like seven. Right, then it'll so go I'm down with that. and down and down. Yep. Yeah, no, sometimes, and it's like every other day he'll ditch. Right. Yeah. No, I don't want to stay like that forever. A two sounds great. Yeah, right. <laughs> Morning and night. <laughs> like, it's a very uh, hard thing to stop. When you stop that night feeding, man, I think I hid in the closet and cried. Yeah, well... I'm really lucky. So we hired Mandy and everything. So Jude sleeps pretty well, but we're teething right now. So he'll wake up at like four o'clock in the morning. And so I'll just go in there and feed him. And he'll go back to sleep until like 738, which is super nice. And so I keep thinking, I'm like, oh, my God, if I stopped breastfeeding, what would I do? You have the power, sister. Uh, Seriously. You got it. Looking back now, I remember how tired I was, but it was just what you did at that time for your baby. You know, um, I wish my kids would have slept a little bit more through the night, but um, I would give anything to go back to that, those tired nights. Totally. I appreciate you coming in or not even coming in because we're quarantined, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Anytime. We need to to do something for this during this quarantine time. Totally. If I could talk about boobs, why not? Why not? Yeah. Terrific. Okay. I'm so glad that you invited me. 
thank you so much. No, honestly, like I want everybody to have a Debbie in their life. And so uh-huh. this is the closest I can get. You're such a sweetheart. Thank you so much. I hope I have more of patience course. like you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, have a wonderful day and go back to sunbathing. Thank you. Adios. Thank you. So guys, I hope you really liked the, the call. Um, again, let me know if you guys have any other breastfeeding questions or anything, you know, I would love to have Debbie on again if you guys had had questions or anything like that. So thank you so much for listening and the continual support is wonderful. If you could go ahead and give us a good rating, that would be wonderful um, because it just really helps the podcast grow and, you know, continue to share everybody's stories and Like I said, um, we have a phone number where we are looking for you to call in or text your, um, your own birth story or breastfeeding story or, um, birth story, pregnancy story, you know, motherhood is a huge thing. And for me, it totally changed my life. And I would love to hear your journey as well. Like we're all in this together and it's kind of like a mom society. So get a pen and paper and write down this number and feel free to call and or text us. I'm not going to answer so you can just anonymously leave your voicemail. And yeah, I look forward to hearing your stories. I'm already so thankful for all of you that have. And at the end of the season, I'm going to put it all together and We'll have a nice 853-2591. And again, just, you know, uh, tell your friends and like and subscribe to anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, Thank you, girls. And I hope you have a wonderful day because motherhood is freaking hard. Keep it real. Adios.